Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I love the Holy Spirit so much. And I <clears throat> I want to tell you a little story about myself. So I was, um, as most of you know in here, I was raised in a home where my dad was uh, had a prophetic call in his life. And I, um, you know, in the fivefold ministry, which I'm not talking about today, and I don't have time to explain it to people who don't know, but anyway, the, the hand represents the fivefold ministry because there's five. Didn't take, a, didn't take a rocket science for that. All right. But the prophetic is the finger because it what? Points out ahead. Well, the last two days I was preparing for today and you know, my prep is a little bit different than some people's. I think I just, just wait. My prep is waiting. And I was doing different things around the house. And my, I injured my first finger in the exact same place on both fingers. And, you know, being uh, in the prophetic, I learned to have burning bush moments all the time. It's time to turn aside and see what God's really saying instead of just you know, casually passing by it. And so I just began to ask him, and he said that um, I just wanted to release today that this message is a prophetic message about things that come against the prophets. You know, in this generation, God has restored all the fivefold ministries now. This is the dispensation of the kingdom age. And so in the kingdom age, the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit were given to what? Equip the saints for what? The works of the ministry. So this is the day of the saints. This is the day that you as a believer, it's time that you take the powerful tools of the Holy Spirit and you transform society. You know, I grew up in a religious home, even though my dad was prophetic. We didn't know any better. We had the theology that, oh, just get us out. Because remember that mansion that's waiting for us on the hillside? Well, let me just tell you that that mansion's here. So <laughs> so just it's time to get ourselves out of wrong dispensational th thinking and it's time to move into the prophetic and that's what's going to happen in this generation god right now is pouring out his spirit on all flesh and you know paul was so good i would i just like to think about paul sometimes and how he was trying to give instructions to new believers that didn't even know what they were doing but we've taken some of those scriptures and we've transformed them into limitations on the Holy Spirit. And I just think it's a travesty. I wrote a little line about it today that, um, where did I write that? I don't think, I, oh yeah, here it is. That, um, so we have had years of bad theology that put us on the side of whether or not the gifts of the Spirit are real and whether they exist, as opposed to receiving training to do something with them. We became skeptics of His presence instead of students of His presence. And I think that because of that, you know, God made me promise Him I wouldn't preach things that tried to prove the naysayers wrong. It's really important that we know what we believe and that we're able to demonstrate it. We may not be good at it. 
You know, I'm not good at math, so I hired Lynn. She's a math whiz. We may not be good at the things that the Holy Spirit has instructed us that we can do, but it doesn't give us permission to say they don't exist. And so in this discussion we're going to have today, I'm discussing, you're listening, but I want to talk about why whenever the first uh, instance of the Holy Spirit coming to earth and demonstrating on people why it was fire. Remember, let's turn there real quick in Acts 2 just so that you can know I'm talking about something real. In Acts 2, I have a little slide. It's not even up there. This was a good time to go poof. <laughs> Act like I just said tongues of fire. Poof. Okay, no. Anyway, it's all in my head. It's a movie that goes on when I'm, you know. Do y'all feel better? I feel better. Acts 2, it says, Suddenly... They heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house. Acts 2, 2 4, through 4. Um, I'm reading in the Passion. Into the house from, where the, from the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped. Say filled and equipped. equipped. Say it again. So this tells us one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is filling and equipping, right? By with the Holy Spirit, and we're inspired. Think of it. That's a little bit different than I don't know if I want that. Is that real? Oh, I know my favorite. That was for back then. Well, I don't know about you, but I need some feeling and empowering to just do life, right? And to think that Jesus said, well, you're going to do a bunch of really cool miracles too. And even more than the ones I demonstrate here, you're going to do more stuff. Then we're acting like we don't need any of this power. Remember the Holy Spirit came for what? Power, right? I think I have a little slide for that too. Anyway. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Now, this little slide, I think I have the next one, is the little, yeah. Uh, This is what Brian says, that this mighty wind is for power. And the breath, remember when Jesus spoke and he said, I remember he breathed into the disciples right before he peaced out, right? Because he said it was better that he pieces out because what happens? The Holy Spirit's come. That's why He's got to be your best friend. That's why you want to speak the language of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to act like it doesn't exist. Listen, everybody's been skeptics of something. Let's, let's learn to not sit and judge. Let's learn to actually embrace what's possible. And, and so He said the breath that Jesus birthed was for life. So that tells us that's the job of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus breathed into the, to the disciples, they were filled with life. And then he said, go wait. And what did they wait for? Power. Why do we need power? It's not by, why, to do what he says. We need power to do what he says. Because why? In myself, I will do what Teresa wants to do. Right? And Teresa knows what Teresa likes. Do you know what you like? Right? Even when I learned to yield to the Holy Spirit, my soul still had a way that needed a regeneration. Does anyone ever feel their soul just getting so big that it just like it can't even do what it wants to do, right? 
because it needs a constant regeneration, rebirthing, renewing, re, 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 re of the Spirit. And part of the job of being filled with the Holy Spirit is this groaning of prayer, this groaning of a language of heaven. I can tell you that if you're down, if you suffer with depression, if you would get filled with the Spirit and you would learn to speak in tongues, I promise you depression would leave your life forever. There is no way you can be depressed and speak in tongues at the same time. Part of probably why you're depressed is because the Holy Spirit's probably impacting you through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, He impacts us and prompts us to pray stuff, prompts us in our calling, even when we don't know we have the calling. Right? Remember when you're a kid and you dream stuff? Does anybody ever remember dreaming stuff? And that stuff came true. Does anybody ever remember dreaming? Right? You had no training, did you? It just, you dream stuff and it just came true and no one told you why. You knew that. Right? In the world's version, you're a what? You're a psychic. Right? There's no power there. But your gift still operates. So that's why we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so our gift operates with the Holy Spirit, not just with our soul. Right? So our main verse we've been talking about for a while now is 1 Corinthians 12. Let's turn there real quick. First Corinthians 12, we've, been talk- we've talked through every single one of these spiritual gifts over the last couple months. Right? We started with, I actually started with the gift of discernment. But this, starting at the gift of prophecy, I believe that these next few gifts, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of speaking in tongues, and the gift of interpretation, I believe they're a package. I believe they work in tandem together. And the reason why I started this talk months ago about the gifts of discernment Because you have to know that the Spirit of God needs to be discerned. Listen, the greater superior realm while you are on earth is the supernatural realm. The inferior realm, remember Captain Obvious? He just looks around the earth. Captain Obvious says, oh, yeah, that's going to hell in a handbag. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. Oh, yeah, they don't even know God. Oh, yeah, it's just Captain Obvious. But what God said that his people were to do, they were seeing things in heaven and they were looking around at this thing they're occupying, this circle, and they're saying, well, that ought not be. Most of us are awakened to injustice. I talked about that on Wednesday night. God's justice is not human's justice. He's a just God. Don't have time to go over that today. But he is looking for someone that can see beyond the obvious thing on earth that is not the way it should be according to what? The kingdom. Not according... I mean, if if you're not careful, if you were raised in a horrible home, then you'll just be satisfied with just being a little better than horrible. Right? You've got to to establish a thing. As for me and my house, we're not going to have abuse, Right? We're not going to have some things. We're going to have some boundaries with some things. I'm going to raise my kids a certain way. We've got to have some establishments of truth that I'm going to do even if I wasn't taught it. 
And me leaning into that, God provides the training that I need for what I want to do different than what the way I was raised. Now, if you're not careful, you know, one of the things about this earth of strong opinions, did you know we're in the age, I would call it the age of strong opinions, <laughs> right? Just whatever you behold, it shapes. Have you ever just been watching nothing? And they come on with a Brahms. My mom loves Brahms hamburgers. Someone talking about, I don't really like them. But Brahms hamburgers, she's 90. And she's like, I need a hamburger. Wasn't even thinking about a hamburger. That's the age of suggestion. That's the age we're in. If you're not careful, everything I do in life is shaped by what I'm, a, I'm seeing and what's appearing on something that I didn't produce. And so these... Little, this little gift set goes together. And the reason why I think it's important for it to go together, you can see that discernment is right there in the middle. Because to walk in the prophetic or to even receive a prophetic word, you have to have discernment. Yes. Right? Yes. We practice prophesying around here all the time. Y'all go out several times a month and you prophesy to people. Why? Because it's an empowerment gift of the Holy Spirit to what? To transform lives. And so because that this Holy Spirit wants to have this language, that's what we're talking about today, think about it in Acts. Why do you think it represented fire? And he began to talk to me about that today. And let's turn over to a couple of scriptures in the Old Testament. Let's go over to Isaiah 1. Isaiah 1.25 says this. Now, Isaiah 1 through 5 is a setup for Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is when Isaiah said, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his, tron- his uh, train filled, his chain filled the temple. Sorry, it's a little joke. His, his uh, train filled the temple, and remember what happened? The coal touched the fire, and the fire touched what? His lips. What's happening with my lips? That's the prophetic. Right? So it's proof that what comes out of my mouth needs to be touched with fire. That's God's desire. But this is where it started in Isaiah 1. He says, I will put my fiery hand upon you, and I'll purify you with fire into something clean. So that establishes fire by God is cleansing. Fire by God is purifying. Why do we need that? Anybody ever been hurt in church? That's why we need it. Right? Because things happen even when we're trying to do good. Even when we're trying to serve God. And so he, this is what he says, I will purge you thoroughly from your dross. What's dross? Whenever you heat up a metal... Everybody know this? When you heat up a metal, what happens? The junk, the impurities. Why is it impure? What happens if it's impure? It makes it not pure. Impure means it's not pure. (laughs) Seeing how far we need to go down. So the fire of God is trying to purify us, right? That's why we we sang about it today. Because if I burn... I want to burn pure. What does that mean? I want what comes out of here 
I may see something in someone, just like what this exercise they did in the detox yesterday. They drew a bunch of squiggly lines on a piece of paper, and they handed it to somebody else, and they said, what do you see? On the natural level, I see squiggly lines. What is being used to see something different? My imagination. If my imagination isn't purified, right? It's like Bailey said, she saw a snake. She immediately, her religious training told her, feel bad about what you see because you saw a snake, right? But in the prophetic, right? Just like the skunk, just like, right? It transcends the captain obvious of the natural, right? That's why I have to operate with this power because this power is not for the natural. The natural is obvious, right? It's the supernatural that I'm trying to train myself to see. And so he just said, I'll remove the part of you that can't see the supernatural. Have you ever dreamed and you thought it was bad pizza? You know, I've been been doing dream training for 30-some years. And so I couldn't see metaphorically when I first started. I could have said this. This is what religious people say. I'm just not called to that. I don't feel led. You know, when I was a kid, a guy would come to our church and he'd bring little pockets of lead. And somebody would say, I don't feel led. He would say, here, feel lead. Boom, boom. That's where we were. In the 1800s, that's how we did it. And so, and so he's removing ways that our minds and our imagination can't see what he wants us to see. Wow. You know, all of these exercises that they do to detox are just exercises to illuminate to us what's in the way. They're not the actual exercise of prophetic painting yet or the actual exercise of giving a prophetic word yet. They're actually just removing impurities from the flow. Yes. Right? You know, I when I was married, I, I got this fancy ring. And when I got divorced, then I thought, well, what am I going to do with this fancy ring? I thought, well, I'll sell it. So I go to the jeweler with my fancy ring that I was real, 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 super duper, you, you know, proud of. And he says, it's got a lot of flaws in it. I was like, you know what I felt right there, right? That's, listen, that's a good example. When we give away something that's supposed to be pure, because is the Holy Spirit pure? Is Jesus pure? Is God pure? Then my flow... Because it's nothing of me. It's not supposed to be anything of me. It's just supposed to flow over the top of what's been purified in my soul. I am the container that he wants to put on display to say, I know him. I don't know everything about him. And I'm not good at everything, but I know him. And everything that I do then, that's why it says that the prophet gets to judge the prophetic word. Don't you love that? So there has to be, in this prophetic training, there has to be a judge of whether it's pure or not. Because in our eyes, have you ever been there where you just, oh, you're fond of yourself? Have you, anyone ever been real fond of themselves? Yeah, and they were doing something and someone came by and said, that's kind of stinky. And you're like, what? 
in my eyes, it was so pure, right? The fire begins to heat up when I begin to do something for God. And that's the time that it begins to show me what's dross. So he says, I'll just put my fiery hand upon you and I'll purify with fire and make you clean. God's ways of cleaning and anointing are so different than we thought, right? We thought we needed to be really good at it. I need to be really good at the stuff in the supernatural. How would you even be really good at it? Right? I need to die to all the stuff I think, and that helps me become more supernaturally minded. And we were talking about it yesterday, that left brain, right brain. I feel like God lives over in the right brain area, the creative area, and we want God to be over here in our logic. I was just telling them that our brains ache to be used in the supernatural, not to just be Captain Obvious, to actually actually see something that isn't in existence yet and think that I could do it. Think that He wants to flow through me with His Spirit and He wants to make that happen. I mean, look at that eagle up there. I sent, I sent Aubrey, one of our artists, I said, okay, it's eagle time. And the next thing I know, that thing popped out. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I had in my head. <laughs> right? Because what happened, her imagination connected with our connection through anointing. Whenever I say it's time for something, she just goes and starts painting stuff. And what's ha- what happens? Something from her imagination with the Holy Spirit comes out and it actually transcends our mind. And our imagination, when you see that, don't, doesn't your imagination think of all kinds of things? That's the activation of the supernatural. And this is the reason why he wants to purify us. This is why he comes with fire. Verse 26, Isaiah 126. Because I want to restore deliverers. Are you a deliverer? Anybody? Stand up if you're a deliverer and you know it. Listen, this is why you want to be purified with fire. Because you want right now say to him, come and purify me with fire because he's restoring deliverers on the planet right now. Okay, you can sit down. I will restore deliverers and wise counselors. I won't make you stand up, but who's a wise counselor? Who wants to be a wise counselor? Perfect. It says, only then you, say me, me, will be called the righteous city, the faithful city. After what happened? After some purifying, after some restoration. So think for a minute. You know, I've been doing inner healing for a long, long time. And one of the things that happens is that we think the ways that we were injured were our fault. We've got to fix that right up front. It's not your fault. And then once we get over ourselves, we think it's their fault. Right? Right? And it's not either. Listen, just focus the fault on the enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What am I? What were they? I'm not wrestling against them. Everybody in here can sing a song, I've been done wrong. I got some good ones for you. I got some good ones from me. I got some, y'all's are good too, right? Right Right now, just think about somebody did me wrong song, right? I like Joyce Meyer. She says, I either become bitter, right? 
She's 400 years old now. I either become bitter or I become what? Better. How do I become? I can't become better by doing nothing. Right? That's why that activity of forgiveness has to be under the fire. Are you clean? Are you forgiven? You know, unforgiveness is a strange thing. It doesn't go away. You know, Margo, Margo, I got a commercial. See, well, I think I got a slide for it. We love Margo. This is what she said. Suppressed emotion suppresses the immune system. Ever heard of autoimmune disease? This is the problem right here. Tuesday night, we have healing rooms around here because what are we doing? We're going after those hidden diseases that are actually stuck in our emotions. We're going after something a little deeper than just, oh gosh, I have a headache. Although, come, if you have a headache, we'll fix that too. We have seen so many healings. You know, Cece is a prophetic dreamer. She had a dream a year or so ago. And we started, we we didn't even plan it, but we started the healing rooms, the exact day or something that she had had the dream a a year earlier. The only reason why we started the healing rooms is because she had a dream. And now what's happening? Yeah. Why are we starting the deliverance ministry? Because people need delivered, right? So all these things, it says, it suppresses authenticity and destroys attachment. This is just suppressed emotions. What's in your soul? Emotions. What is he trying to, why is he trying to heal our emotions? Because it creates activity for the enemy to make us ill. I love what she said. Did you know that the immune system immediately adjusts to every emotion? Just think about that for a minute. This is mind-blowing, isn't it? This is happening in your generation. People are getting these downloads. In other words, your feelings can be protective or damaging factor to your health. Do you believe that? Yes. Scientists call this the emotional immune response continuum. Research has shown that suppressing emotions takes a toll on our immune system. Just just right now, let's just practice it. Let's do a group sozo, shall we? Just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, do I have suppressed emotions? Just ask Him. And this is a simple question in sozo. You have to say, where did that come in? Now, if you got an answer... Invite Jesus, not right now. Okay, look at me again. Not right now. But in a minute, you can invite Jesus to show you where he was when that happened. Now, if you can't do that by yourself, we, offer, we, 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 we will sozo you, you here. We will do that. Because why? Because you've got to be free in your soul. That's where these emotions lie. It says leaving us vulnerable to stress-related illnesses. All those autoimmune diseases have to do with that right there. But when we allow ourselves to feel and process emotions, our bodies respond positively, building resistance and boosting our natural defenses. Now, we spend a lot of time here on our personalities, and we did love language assessments. We do a lot about having boundaries and boundaries with your soul. And it's really, really important as we're talking about these supernatural gifts that you understand that your soul is part of the container that the Holy Spirit's trying to flow through. Just get that in your head that, okay, my soul is part of this container, and so my soul needs healing. That my mind needs renewing. These are the things that God said he's overseeing. He started a work. That's what he said. I've started something and you didn't even start it. Isn't that cool? I know you thought you did. 
but he's a, he's a building something in you. And he started something in you, and he's overseeing it. And he's pushing this in, and he's pushing that out. You know, when, sometimes when relationships ended, they needed to end. Right? Because what's important to God? Your assignment. Your identity as a son and daughter, and out of my son and daughtership, I perform and I do this assignment. Perform is not a good word around here. I function in my assignment, right? It says, authenticity is the magic ingredient that makes us shine as our true selves. You can read the rest of that later. What's really important in just highlighting this is that authenticity is what the Holy Spirit loves. And when I met with his power, I met with whether or not I'm authentic or whether I'm controlling. Why do we control? Out of fear. We've all learned that fear is the motivator of control, right? And so when I realize the Holy Spirit is coming with his fire, let's go back to Isaiah. He's coming with his fire because he wants to restore deliverers and he wants to restore wise counselors. This is what um, Brian Simmons says. Apostolic judges and prophetic counselors are on the way. That's what's happening right now in this season. Why do we need apostolic counselors and judges? Why did they need them in the Old Testament? Because we need to know how to rightly discern what is, that's what all these gifts are about. The discernment gift, there it pops up again. So as I am embracing his fire, which is just who he is, Isaiah 5 says this, let me sing a song for the one I love, called my lover in his vineyard. My beloved planted a vineyard on a very fertile hill. First, he dug up its ground and hauled away its stones so he could plant within it the choices of vines. Maybe that's where you are today. I call that clearing the ground. God is expressing his desire for what he wants to do in humanity. He wants you to be a fruitful, fruitful vineyard. That's why the Holy Spirit has one fruit, and it's love. And it has all these attributes of a true vineyard of love. And in that true vineyard of love, when I understand I need equipping of tongues, I need equipping of the tongues of fire, because that tongues of fire keeps that dross coming up to the top. You know, I think a lot of us learned about the tongues of fire. We learned about speaking in tongues and and we just use it just as a prayer language. Right? Because there's a scripture that talks about the groanings that can't be uttered. And that's all true. It's all good. But I, I feel like it's when he says pray without ceasing, I feel like this is that kind of prayer. It is something that is a igniting personally for me of when I, I'm not doing it just to intercede for somebody, although I may, but it's something, it's just a language. Like if you had somebody that you really liked and they were a different personality than you, then we talked about it this last week about love languages, learning how to speak someone opposite of you, learning to speak their love language. What does that do for a person? Did anybody try it this week? 
what happened? Did you did you do a couple things for people that was their love language? And what happened? You had connection. This is the Holy Spirit's love language. You want connection with the Holy Spirit? Speak in a language that He gave. Speak in a language that He understands. The Holy Spirit's not English. I don't know if y'all know that. He's not American. The Holy Spirit's not American. Right? Listen, it could be so much fun. Instead of being skeptics, right? I, li- I actually I li- I listen to this guy right now and then that's a skeptic of everything good. And he, he was saying, well, you know, I might change my mind about speaking in tongues, but, you know, I know it's not for everyone. And I was thinking, the Holy Spirit said to me, then you won't get it. Whatever you don't think's for you. I want all of God. Yeah. Right? In the Bible, I want all of that stuff in there. And more. I don't want to be acting like, oh my gosh, I might be wrong if I speak in tongues. To who? (laughs) Who? What entity? What person? Where is the wrong, right? But I I can tell you personally, how many have can tell testimonies about speaking in tongues for the first time? You go home and read the word and the word's like, what? That was in there the whole time? Because there's something about the illumination of the Holy Spirit that transcends our own souls. So this is what he's saying. He wants to do this in you. And he said, I'll build a watchtower in the middle of it and carve a wine press out of its rock. And it says, and he fully expected to bear good grapes. That's his expectation of us. Have you, have you embraced yet? That God has an expectation of us and it's good. It's not pressure. Like he actually has done everything, all the work, and he just has this expectation of what we could be, of what our lives can be. And and he puts a watchtower in the middle of your vineyard. Why does he do that? What's he watching for? All the little foxes. Remember in Songs of Song of Songs? What's a little fox in your life? Think about it personally. What's a fox? What is a little lie that comes in to make you not think the way God thinks about you? And he'll watch over those things. Don't you love when God begins to come in and he begins to tell you the things about you that he really sees in you? Have you been there yet? And he begins to expand that you could do more. And, and he also, I love this, he puts a wine press in the rock. What's a wine press? It's crushing some grapes. You're the grape. Listen, your fruit's not for you. You need, you need some pressing because some people need a drink. They need a drink of the new wine. The new wine that you're producing through allowing him to crush you. This isn't a bad experience. Listen, when we're in a battle and we win, because we always win because we're, we're fighting for victory, we get tested on the battle. We get tested on the victory. Kind of like a math test. Have you ever been in school? What's a test for in school? To see if you know you got it. Test is not for the teacher. The teacher gets it. 
The test isn't for God because he's mean and he's sitting up there as a, mm-hmm, let's just see. I'm going to test you. Ha ha. No, he's like, hey, you just want a victory. In a battle, your position in your mind and your position with your weapons, what are the weapons of supernatural battle? If your hands are heavy, lift them up. Listen, Moses demonstrated it. Remember Aaron and her lifted up his hands, right? Why? Why? Because, yeah, it's about surrender, right? And you might need Aaron and her because you might get tired, right? And so in the battle, we're fighting from victory. In the battle, I'm using strategy I don't do any other time, right? And then God's so good as a good father, he tests me. Well, what did you learn during the battle? Did you do something a little different here? Did you pray a little different? Did you, what happened? He tests us on the battle. Now, we don't want to act like that that battle is sort of self-inflicted, right? Or God-inflicted. Why is there a battle anyway? Because ha- God has an enemy. But remember what I read last week in Revelations that the war between the in the heavenlies with the satanic realm and the angels has already been won. And this is the cool part about God. I hope you get. He knew we would be so powerful. He put Satan on the planet with us. I thought y'all be way more excited about that. He thought so much about the power of the Holy Spirit operating in you that whenever they fought the war and he cast Satan down, he cast him down to the very place he made humanity. That was on purpose. Let's don't be wimps. That was on purpose. So if I don't see the enemy in that way, if I don't see him as a footstool for my foot, if I see him as all-powerful and mighty and he can mess up my day and he can mess up my family and he can mess up my life, then I have given him way too much credit. I have given him way too much power. And that has got to have fire put on it. That has got to have the fire of God because you cannot operate in your spiritual gifts when you're underneath the power of the enemy. And so think about, like I said, Isaiah, we're leading up to verse 6. He tells us what he wants from us. Now, if you look in Isaiah 5, God again, he's like, but sad. No one would let me make grapes out of them. Right? Do you see this tension with God? He's like, man, I made humanity in my own image. I made them powerful. I made them amazing. I gave them the Holy Spirit. I did all this stuff. I gave them salvation. All this stuff was all for humanity. All because you're his prize. All because you're his beloved. All because he's crazy about you. All because you're awesome. And they're like, well, but the enemy's so powerful. My soul, my soul is so big. Right? So in chapter 6 of Isaiah... What happens to Isaiah? Remember, I've preached on this many times. It's the year King Uzziah died. Who was King Uzziah to to, to Isaiah? He was in a place of leadership. He wasn't godly. Think about it. What's in the place of leadership in my life that's not really godly? When I finally let that die, 
See, that's why you got to understand that you're standing in the way. The stuff that you are bowing to is standing in the way of experiencing the cold touching your lips. In the year, that's what he said, in the year I clearly saw the Lord. He was seated on his exalted throne, towering high above me. His long flowing robe of splendor spread throughout the temple. Standing above him were the angels of flaming fire, each with six wings and two wings covered their faces in reverence. Two wings that covered their feet and then there's two wings that covered as they flew. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy. Now, as you know, I've taught on this before too. They weren't saying it a whole bunch of times. The one holy resonated into a reverberating sound. That's why we're all about sound here. It reverberated, the sound uh, 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 reverberated out and it had waves in it and clipped and clipped and clipped and clipped. That's why it's so important that the sound we produce, the sound we listen to actually has the power to transform people into something holy. And that's what he said. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, this is what he's this is what Brian said. Isaiah saw the sinfulness of man. The seraphim saw the glory of God. Isaiah needed to see what the angels see. Every true voice for God, listen to this, must have the revelation of the glory filling the earth. Without this vision, we are only seeing part of the truth. What fills the earth is His glory, not our sinfulness. That's why the blood makes us pure. It's the reason I can live. I have the audacity to believe that I can live like I never sinned. How? Staying in repentance. Staying on my face. Staying in humility. Staying where the cold can touch my lips all the time. Sometimes the cold touches my lips through someone else. Someone else might say, hey... I need that cold touching my lips. Why? I need constant purification because if I'm not careful, I'll do something and I'll go, I think I did that. You didn't. If I'm not careful, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I prayed for them. They got healed. I think I healed them. No, you didn't. Right? It was his power that flowed through you. It was his almighty power that gave way. In Proverbs 25, it says this, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. Covering the earth with his glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how thoroughly they search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. The heart of a king is full of understanding. Put your hand on your, say, I'm a king. I'm I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking to you right now. In the heart, this transformed heart you have, this heart that said yes to Jesus, there's revelation waiting to be found. It's in your heart to search, to search, to search until you find it, until you are transformed. He says, The heart of of a king is full of understanding like the heavens are high and the ocean is deep. That's how. How much is in your heart? Why? Because that's how much is in God. Listen, it says that, that God 
we could keep learning, 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 learning all about God and we'd never exhaust it, even throughout all eternity, right? So let's don't limit God by putting a cap on what he can do. Think about, you know, I've been leading for a long time and it's great. I love it when a bunch of people buy in to a revelation. What happens with that? It transforms them first. And then they, what do they want to do with it? They want, they, hey, I, I just got this thing. Can I give this gift to you, this gift of revelation? That's really in the heart of a king. And if I am changed and then I reveal it to you and then you're changed, what did I just do? I just passed the glory on. That's really how society is transformed. Is each person receives, because he already put it in your heart, you already put your hand on your heart, you already said you're a king. (laughs) And it's already in you. And so that's what he's saying. As high as the heavens, as deep as the ocean, if you burn away the impurities from silver, a sterling vessel will emerge from the fire. So what's he, this is an an analogy. So he's saying, if you let the heat, if you let the fire of tongues consume you if you begin to have a passion for it if you begin to use it not just to pray down heaven not just to intercede for somebody all that's good but you just begin to have this language with the holy spirit see if we're not careful we'll go over to first corinthians and say well now how do you interpret that What was Paul saying? See, here's the thing about Paul that's not going on in our church. Everybody was doing it, Paul's church. Everybody in Corinthians was prophesying, and and they were all excited. They were speaking in tongues. He's like, whoa, whoa, man, nobody knows what's going on here. Like, y'all are all talking at the same time. Have you ever been to a party and everybody's talking? No one's hearing nothing. That's not a fun party for me. I don't know what's going on. That's what he's saying. Nobody in church is going to be able to figure out what's going on. This wasn't a discussion about whether tongues were real. It's not a discussion about whether tongues were valid. It wasn't a discussion. It was a discussion about, well, everybody's doing it. Let's have a little order so somebody knows what in the world's going on. Paul was all about order. Good cleric. All about order, right? He says, if you purge corruption from the kingdom, still Proverbs 25, a king's reign will be established in righteousness. Where are you reigning today? Listen, every single one of you, God made you a leader. You may not want it. You may be said, nope, not me. But God made you a leader. And because he made you a leader, that's what this house is about, training leaders. Because he made you a leader, a weeder, as Ro- as Rolly would say, then he put in you the things needed to cause you to pursue understanding to pursue revelation but in that process he will also heat up right happened to somebody here last night we have prayer on saturdays at four o'clock to pray for the service on sunday and one of my little prophets got excited and so she got up and said something she thought was prophetic well pam came and dressed her out i mean she was just like heated that dude up Put a little fire underneath it. But I love her response. Her response is, oh, yeah, I, I, I just I should have ran that by somebody. Right? It's just a learning experience. We're not like, okay, kill the prophet. <laughs> She's out. Right? 
on. How else are we going to learn if we don't have a teacher? How else are we going to learn if we don't have a place that's safe that we do have somebody who can step in and say, hey, I don't think that's exactly what the Holy Spirit meant right here. See, that's the beauty of raising up leaders is that everybody keeps the culture honoring. Just one more little scripture. In 1 Corinthians 14, Mendel's coming. He said, Beloved ones, don't remain as immature children in your reasoning as it relates to evil. Be like newborns, but in your thinking, be mature adults. So what is he saying? He's saying that don't get involved with evil. Don't become... Don't get your doctorate in evil, right? Remain innocent, right? In other words, don't involve yourself. It's one of the things, the greatest thing I can say about my mom is that I never, uh, everybody calls me really naive around here because I didn't involve myself in evil stuff. I never rebelled against God. I walked with him. I talked with him from the time I was a little bitty girl. I got saved when I was like four years old and I, I got filled with the spirit. I don't think I told you that story. I was going to, I got filled with the spirit when I was 11, 1975 or two or something like that. I don't even remember. Anyway, but that's been my lifestyle. And so I am immature and evil. But he says this, I will bring my message to this people with strange tongues and foreign lips. Yet even then, they still will not listen to me. So that, that te- this is what that tells me, is that there will always be skeptics of tongues. Why? Because it's outside our control. It's outside my humanistic understanding. It's not left brain. It's as right, as right as you can be. And when I begin to value it, and I begin to tell him, I may not be good at it. I may have just one little word. I mean, see, I never have been a skeptic of it, so it shocks me to find skeptical people. But it is the language of the Holy Spirit. And when I begin to inquire and I begin to search it out and I begin to ask Him, He will fill me with His Spirit. He will penetrate my mind. He will transcend this thing in here that's so hard-headed sometimes. And he'll, I'll actually experience greater things in the Spirit. And that's what His invitation is for today. Come on, Mendel. Wow. Talk about tongues of fire, right? We had some fire in here today. Wow. Thank you, Tisa. Such a good, good message. Now I'm seeing an overall, a big picture kind of prophetic thing that the Holy Spirit's doing today. Um, Tisa was, you know, has been seeking the Holy Spirit for her message today since yesterday or how, you know, how she does it. She's just always waiting, as she described. But it wasn't until we were on our way here this morning that she, that we remembered this song, The New Inheritance. And it was just because it says burn, burn, burn. And we're like, yeah, that's the one. Now, we wrote that in November of 2020. I don't think we sang it for the first time until the beginning of 21. And we've not sung it since. Yeah. Can you believe that? We, I, I think Tisa reminded me of why, because we were writing so many songs, like one a week. So we just kept singing the next new one and we never went back and sang this one. And um, I, so in the green room, while y'all were in small group, I went back and read an article that I wrote 
about the new inheritance. That was where this song was born from. And it was based on an encounter I had and a few dreams over a few days that kind of came together to form uh, a message for us. And I'm not going to read all of that today, but it's incredible the parallels that were written down in that article and what was shared today and the relevance today. I mean, it, there are so many things that it's just mind-blowing. And like I said, she didn't even have time to go read this because we didn't even, we just knew burn, 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 let's sing that song, <laughs> right? <laughs> so um, just a little background, though. This, the encounter came from a time when I was reading in John 13, and it's when he's washing the disciples' feet. And Jesus is washing, not John, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And Peter objects to him washing his feet, you know. And Jesus says, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. And Brian Simmons there, you know, one of the things I love about him in the Passion Translation is that he takes into account what the culture was and points out all of the symbolism for some of these stories in the Bible. And so he says in his footnote, by removing their sandals and washing their feet, Jesus was showing them that he was granting them a new inheritance, his own. The sandals often used in covenants of inheritance in the Hebrew culture. So every defilement would be removed so that they could place the sole of their feet upon the new covenant inheritance. God likewise told Moses to remove his sandals for he was about to receive a new inheritance, the holiness of God and the authority that came with it. Now, I had, a, a, like I said, I had a few dreams that all came together um, at the time I wrote this article that was incredibly moving and powerful message for me personally. I just remember the fire, speaking of fire, burning in me about God was saying, you are about to receive a new, a new inheritance. And it's incredible because I can honestly look back over the last three years and see that I did receive a new inheritance. And this house received a new inheritance. The body of Christ began to walk in a new inheritance. And so a few, about a month or so ago, something reminded me of this. And I remember talking to Shudi saying, I just feel like maybe we should revisit that song, A New Inheritance. I feel like it's, it keeps coming back around to me. Because I feel like the Holy Spirit is emphasizing again, there's, we're, we're taking new territory again. It's another level of a new inheritance. And of course, we've been talking about, about going, taking the territory in the promised land and entering the promised land, being a house of bread, making the, you know, the, calling the giants, they'll be like bread to us, all of that. So there's just really something on this that the Holy Spirit's trying to say that you're about to enter into yet another brand new thing, okay? I'm just telling you, I just know it like I know it, you know, the inside, I just know it. So interestingly, when I went back and read that article this morning, guess what was one of the core themes of the article? It was, you cannot enter the promised land with your soul in the lead. You have to enter the promised land with your spirit in the lead. Okay. Now, I just got another word. Remember at the beginning of July about our spirit rising up and taking the lead. And um, this, this, what occurred to me that actually from another song that we're working on currently, the, all the gifts that Tisa has been teaching on are gifts of the spirit. You notice it doesn't say gifts of the soul. It's these are all of these gifts that she's taught on are not to be utilized by our soul. 
And when um, he gave me that word just a couple weeks ago um, that I'm going to I'm going to close out by reading it to your spirits again. But when he did, something new came to light for me that was sort of just an intricate little perspective shift that has just opened up a whole new um, sense of power and stability and success. Let's just say that and operating with the spirit in the lead. Now, you may not all need this. But I really needed it, and I keep feeling the Holy Spirit say that it might be helpful for some of you in here to hear what I saw in this message, in this encounter I had with him. So, and that has to do with the fact that we are a three-part being. We are body, soul, and spirit. Now, as most of you know, I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't taught about God. So I didn't even know I was a three-part being. I knew I had a body, and I've heard about a soul, and that's all I knew of. I honestly didn't know that this whole thing about a spirit until shortly after I started coming to one life. And so I feel like the aspect of the spirit of a person's spirit in Christianity, anyways, I don't know what the rest of the world's doing, but in Christianity it has been underemphasized because we of course have the Holy spirit. And I'm thankful that this house really honors and follows and values the Holy spirit. And that's one of the parts aspects of God but one of the three parts of God, right? But we have a human spirit in in addition to our soul and our body. And there is something about recognizing that aspect of me that I realized I have undervalued and I have not paid attention to. And what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me is that I am sold out to God's purposes and what he's burning for. I'm sold out. My will is aligned with his 100%. But my will is part of my soul. You know, your your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. My will is not my spirit. Okay? My soul is not actually the thing that communicates with the Holy Spirit. And so I, he was showing me that I've tried to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit I mean, even now, I'm like I said, this is an upgrade for me in practicing this, that I try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit with my soul. And we would all say, probably when we hear that, that, well, no, that's never going to work. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, y'all are doing that a lot more than you know. (laughs) Like, like you're just you're you're doing great. You want to follow me. You love me, but you're kind of glitching. Like it's, it's like a glitching, like I just see it like, oh, we just, we slipped over here into our soul being in the lead. And I realized how much access that gave the enemy to my process, because if I, if I'm needing to make a decision or I'm just doing whatever in life and I, I want to know what the Holy Spirit thinks, it's sort of like my soul would be like, oh, I hope I can hear him today. Oh, I hope that, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks louder than this fear that's come in. And it was all this war really within my soul to desperately try and strive to hear the Holy Spirit. And so what what the Holy Spirit was reminding me is that, hey, you are undervaluing that third part of your being, which is your spirit. Your spirit needs to be in the lead, not your soul. Now, your spirit is what was actually regenerated when you were born again, when you, you know, acknowledged uh, the lordship of Jesus in your life. It was your spirit that was grafted into Jesus's spirit. It's your spirit that is already seated in heavenly places. And so I realized that my spirit is 100% confident in God. 
My spirit has 100% trust in the Holy Spirit. My spirit hears God perfectly. It has no worry that it's not going to hear it or that it's going to misinterpret it. They are grafted in like it just flows from one to the next, just without there's no it's seamless in the Holy Spirit and my spirit. So it's created in me this really powerful, um, just a mind shift where I can stop and say, soul, take a seat, spirit, get in the lead. And when I just say that, this confidence comes in and all this fear goes away because you know, my, spirit, my spirit isn't experiencing fear or anxiety or whatever it, it is or doubt. It's my soul that's, that's experiencing that. Now, we do a lot of talking and teaching in this house about telling your soul what to do, right? Because we, we realize we actually have authority over our soul. It doesn't have to run our lives. But for me... And, you know, my, my background where was that my voice was told to, you know, shut up. That was kind of the injury for me is you don't have a voice. Your voice is going to get you in trouble. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. So my, um, my tendency was to always be shut down. And so part of God resurrecting me is for me to say my voice has value. Well, my soul, when I would try to tell it what to do, would be like, nah, -uh. no, you said that I had value. You said that what I thought had value. You said that my voice had value. You said that my desires had value. So why would you want me to, to shut that down all of a sudden in this moment? And that created a weird, weird thing for me where I would be even arguing with people saying, no, God wants this to rise up. But in that moment, my soul needed to come down because that's, that's true for all of us. What solves that is, again, recognizing that it's our spirit that it has to be in the lead. And there, there would be this thing, this indignation kind of feeling when I would have to tell my soul what to do. Like I said, it felt contradictory to the healing God was bringing me. And so I didn't want to do it sometimes because I was like, no, God's raising me up, not shutting me down. You know, but my soul would be like, you know, my soul needed to be told, take a back seat. So there's just something different that, that feels different when I say, soul, you don't have to worry. Soul, you can take a back seat. Spirit, comfort your soul. Spirit, take the lead. And my spirit has total confidence. My spirit is still me. It's still me. My spirit's not being shut down or told to, to you know, to be, be oppressed. My spirit is directly connecting and it just automatically brings me into alignment where I have confidence and trust and peace within me to not make crazy decisions in the moment, you know, not try to solve problems in a weird way or handle my emotions. And so, like I said, I felt like that was a really powerful thing and I've been practicing it. Instead of having to tell myself, no, 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 all the time, I'm saying spirit, take the lead. You have complete confidence in God. You hear God perfectly well. You have complete trust. You have zero doubt. You be in the lead. And it has really, really brought me into this place of um, greater security and safety to operate out of in whatever I'm doing. And so I'm really pressing into that for me personally. And I hope that helps you to do the same. And so with that in mind, I did want to read um, what, again, what the Holy Spirit said, what Papa said to us at the beginning of July when he spoke to our spirit. And I'm not going to read all that I wrote in, in my encounter with him ahead of time, but if you recall, 
I wasn't seeking out this topic at all. And just when God began to speak, he said, daughter, let me speak to your spirit directly. Set your mind aside. That's just how he started. He opened the conversation with me that way. And it was really, really powerful. And so, again, he's saying today we are entering into a new inheritance. You cannot enter into your new inheritance with your soul in the lead. You cannot operate with these giftings with your soul. These are spiritual gifts. Your spirit is what needs to be to rise up. And like I said, I think we've, we've really undervalued it and give it, it not enough attention. And so that goes along with what the Holy Spirit said today. So I'm going to speak right now to your spirit. Tell your souls to take a back seat right now. Spirit, come up and listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. He said, daughter, son, let me speak to your spirit directly. Set your mind aside. It's important that your spirit knows its place in this moment. It's important that your spirit takes center stage and recognize that this battle is its to fight. And that's so significant for this season. The battle that you're in, in this season, currently, whatever battle you're in, it is your spirit's battle to fight, not your soul's, okay? It's your spirit's battle to fight. He said, spirit of sonship, you king, you priest, rise up to the battle before you. The soul is now weak and will not be able to protect you. The soul is waiting for you to take your place. It has attempted surrender, laying down its own weapons, waiting in faith for the greater thing. Do not disappoint this faith. Do not abandon this yielding. It is precious in my sight. It is the calm before the storm. It is the silence before the rage. It is the quiet before the war I've called you to wage. Take up your arms. Stand upright. Your days of submission and silence are over. Your passive existence has ended. I know that you hear my war cry. I know that it reverberates inside you. Respond. Release your new nature. Release the fullness of Christ within you. I will castrate all you oppose. The family line of enemy possession will cease to advance to the next generation with your sound. You are strong enough. You are, by your very nature, superior to all that opposes you. You don't need a new tool. You don't need a new weapon. You are the weapon. Spirit, rise up. It's you that I need. Spirit, rise up. It's you I've called to take the lead. Spirit, rise up. This is the time of your destiny. I will give you the land every place your foot treads. Step up, stand up into your victory. I've served it up on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. Do you feel your spirit standing up with that? Oh. 
Wow, Holy Spirit, we just say thank you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you pre-planted planted us, designed us with a, a way to have a direct connection with you. Thank you, Jesus, that it's by the price that you paid and, and all that you did that we were able to be grafted back into the Spirit of God directly and that we can now live with total confidence, total courage, total um, pure hearing, refined by the fire, because of what you did, Jesus. We just thank you, and we will thank you for all of our days, for all that you've done to bring us back into this direct connection with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Thank you that our spirit, because of you, Jesus, is now seated on the throne right there with you, seated in heavenly places, hearing and seeing everything that's going on. So just as Tisa said today, our spirit has a view, has a vision. It knows what God's doing. It has seen and daily experiences the glory of God, and it is our fuel for everything that we do on this planet, on this earth, with these human natural bodies, with this soul. Our soul is, is completely renewed by this direct access to you. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are always speaking, that you are leading, that you search the heart of the Father to know, to see what we need to know in each moment of our life. You search the heart of the Father to, to find the one thing that we are lacking in that moment, that we are lacking awareness of, and you speak it to our spirit. And our soul, when it submits to our spirit, is just able to drink it in like a good, good drink. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power, for your passion, for your commitment to us. And Papa, I thank you. I thank you for your fathering heart over us that tells us in advance what you're going to do, that tells us in advance how you've prepared us, that tells us in advance the tools that are available to us. Thank you for your fathering heart that does that does uh, just respond to us like little children, that when we reach up to you with hands of praise, that you dress us in the garments of your glory. You dress us in the garments of sons and daughters of the king, of kings and queens, of priests on this earth, just by surrendering to you like a little child. You so love being our father. You so love being our father. So we choose right now with our will to have our spirit be in the lead, for our soul to take a back seat and receive all the nourishment through the spirit-spirit connection. We make that choice today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you, would, that you would seal up that choice in each person today, that you would seal up this message about the tongues of fire, that you would light it on fire within them, that it would be a message that burns within them, that when they feel in turmoil, when they feel that, tor that torment, coming in where their soul is starting to freak out and the Spirit's trying to sit back, that you would just remind us, Holy Spirit, remind all of us of the power of the tongues of fire, that just that simple act is a direct connection to you. The soul cannot speak in tongues. The soul doesn't speak in tongues and the soul doesn't understand what's happening in tongues. So we have a direct gift right there where we can immediately shift into activating our spirit just by speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. And I thank you, Papa, for the fire that you're going to bring to us in the coming days when we participate with your plan that will remove the dross, will remove the impurities so that we can come forth like pure vessels for your glory. So seal up this message, Papa. Make it personal for each person. And we just can't stop saying we love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. Eternally, we love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. 
For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay